Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to the Ringers, Philly Special Shield Kapadia, joined by Sean Syed from Sumer Sports, the midweek show. Eagles Giants, listen, I'm not going to come on here and tell you we're doing like, you know, uh, 90 minutes on Eagles Giants film. You don't want that. I don't want that. Sean doesn't want that. So we were texting earlier in the week. You know, what should we do? And Sean is not just a, a film man. He's now turning into a content man. He said, how about we do this exercise where we say, here's what we want to see over the next two weeks. And I said, this is a great idea. I mean, you can host, you can analyze, you can do whatever. So Sean, uh, we're stealing your idea. It's a great idea. That's what we're doing for the show today. Chill, I just want the record to show I'd be more than happy to turn out 120 minutes <laughs> on uh, on Tommy DeVito, on Tyrod Taylor. They got a rematch later. But, you know, I'm, 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 here, I'm here for the people, Shiel. There you go. All right. So we're just going to go back and forth. This isn't going to have, you know, it's going to have less structure than usual. We just wrote down some random thoughts in a Google Doc. Here's what we want to see. It could be film related. It could be not film related. Whatever. You start us off. You're the guest. Give me one thing you want to see on film, whatever, from this Eagles team the next two weeks before we head into the postseason. Okay, I think I'm going to go offense first. Uh, So we've talked all year about how the Eagles deal with these heavy blitz looks, whether it's six-man pressures or seven-man pressures. So I just want to see, Shield, just one just one example of an explosive pass play against a six-plus man pressure. And that cannot include a screen, and that cannot include a scramble. I want to see Hertz in the pocket make that throw that we have seen. We saw it at least one time this year, that big throw down the field against the Vikings. And I feel like I just keep on holding on to that because the answers versus zero blitz, to me, 
They have, haven't been amazing. Usually, you know, if there's a free runner out of empty, so the defense is bringing six, you usually get a route conversion or someone breaking kind of quickly, but sometimes it seems like the offense is really just asking Jalen to kind of deal with that, which, like, okay, I guess, but too often then he's forced to escape. You get into an area of throwing on the run, and that has a depleted completion percentage, and they love that quick screen against pressure to the point where sometimes it feels like that the defense is almost forcing that by they crowd the line they know you're going to check into that and they can kind of take care of that pretty quickly so the first thing i want to see is just one explosive pass play against a six plus man pressure to me it's like one of the biggest indictments of the coaching staff that we're going into week 17 and we're still having this conversation like how are we still having this conversation since your first episode on we've probably been talking about this and it's uh you know to go back to the numbers here hertz has faced these big blitzes six or more pass rushers on 57 dropbacks, the most of any quarterback in the NFL. See it? Not, oh, they don't have answers this week. Should we try it next week? Yeah, let's try it next week. Oh, they don't have answers this week. Should we try it next week? Yeah, it's just been an ongoing cycle. He's completing 49% of his passes and averaging 4.8 yards per attempt versus six or more rushers. That's terrible. 27th out of 30 in success rate. And this is not just a Jalen Hurts problem. This is an offensive problem. The indictment to me is on the coaching staff. We saw it in this last game, Sean. I mean, you pointed out the empty stuff brilliantly. I think it was last week, right? You were saying, well, they go empty and then uh, Team Zero Blitz. And what did we see in this game? Uh, I think there were two back-to-back snaps in the red zone. They go empty. You face a big blitz. Uh, and it doesn't work once again. I think that was the play Hurt scrambled and you know stayed in balance was the second one of those. I think the first one actually was a sack. And so again, now there's been 11 times this year where they've gone empty and they faced a zero blitz. Again, most in the NFL on those Hurts is four for seven for 38 yards, two sacks and two scrambles. Like why would teams be afraid of uh, of playing this style against you when you're not burning them, even though you've got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, a very smart, good offensive line, and Jalen Hurts at quarterback. So uh, I think that's a good one. And it almost like, I don't know how much you're going to have to worry about it this week. I know, you know, uh, we know from watching Johnny Gantz. I don't know how aggressive Johnny Gantz is going to get in this game. Maybe he's got some tricks up his sleeve. You're going to see it again in week 18 for sure. I mean, that's what the Giants do uh, every single week. And so that's what they're going to do here. And yeah, you would just like this. Can you give us just a couple examples? Maybe you only asked for one, just one example of let's do some damage downfield against these uh, so that it deters uh, defenses from doing it or it lets defenses do it. But guess what? You're gashing them for explosive plays. So I think that is an excellent one. All right. Here's mine. I'm not Mr. Under Center, you know, you got to do NFL. That's not me. Listeners, no, that's not me. The game has evolved. I have no issues with shotgun. I have no issues with pistol. However, Sean, how about this? How about a little sprinkle of under center play action? You you don't have to turn into Ben Johnson. Uh, You don't have to turn into Matt LaFleur. I was looking up the stats earlier, you know, the highest play action teams in the NFL. I think those are, you know, two of the top five or six. But can we just sprinkle it in there? I mean, you and I have talked about how about some of these easy buttons to help your quarterback, to help your wide receivers. We know analytically that under center play action is more effective than shotgun play action. You theoretically have a very good run game. This should be something that's part of the package. And what did we see, Sean, in that game against the Giants? I had to rewind 10 times. Wait, are my eyes lying to me? Jalen Hurts went under center play action. Beautiful ball to Dallas Goddard for an 18-yard completion uh, 
on the left sideline. You know, that's one way to use it. Another way, this can open up the middle of the field. Tuck up those linebackers. We see teams do it to the Eagles all the time. They're in zone. Tuck up the linebackers. Oh, there's a big void in the middle of the field. Let's complete a pass there. The numbers are kind of uh, hilarious. Actually, Sean, I looked them up when I wrote down this point. They have had four snaps of under center play action this season. This is according to True Media. So if there's something out there where they missed one, that's on them. That's not on me. I'm taking no responsibility. That pass, to that completion to Goddard, Sean, that was their first completion off under center play action this entire season. Jalen Hurts is one for two for 18 yards on under center play action. So for a while there, I was going, let's not even talk about this. This isn't something you implement in the middle of the season. This is more of an offseason thing. But obviously they practiced it. You don't just call a play. You haven't practiced. They practiced it. Jalen Hurts looked pretty comfortable doing it to me. What do you think? Can we just see a little more of a sprinkle? Opens up the middle of the field. Maybe in a postseason defensive quality control coach says, hey, we at least have to be aware of this because they've done it more than one time all season. What do you think? Chill, seeing it live was, uh, it was it, it was jarring. I mean, I wasn't even <laughs> sure, like, was I going to watch the game? It's Eagles Giants, it's Christmas. But, you know, paying attention to the little things is how we show love. So, of course, I know we both watched it live. And seeing that also, like, on that specific sale concept is something that we just, I think, missed from Dallas Goddard throughout the year, where last year you constantly see him on that kind of 10 to 15-yard outbreaker, just wide open in space. It's too hard for a defense to defend. And I agree with you so much so that like you don't really even have to be able to run the ball so successfully out of those same formations where later in the game they had ended up in a tackle for the loss for the Giants. But just establishing that threat of that heavy formation morphs how a defense plays and that can end up getting like pretty much manufactured targets it feels like to Dallas Goddard in that space. I think later in the game they got into some play action from shotgun where they had like a guard pulling. So let's do that under center too, like the the good old Tom Brady days. I know how everyone loves Tom Brady here. Like you're creating so much conflict for a linebacker where even if the defense is to say the Eagles aren't running hyper successfully out of under center, just by like the the way that the space is working, they're going to step up into that space. And I like that you pointed out that Hurts looked super comfortable with that. I think there are some quarterbacks that are not comfortable with it. That's not always in their skill set. He clearly can do it. So yeah, I think a sprinkle is the right thing. We're not going to see 15 snaps of it overnight, but just I think a sprinkle is, is exactly what I think they should be looking for on that one. Yeah, I mean, we talk so much about like the Eagles linebacker situation and it's obviously not great and teams take advantage of that. Look around the NFL. Like what teams love their linebacker situation? 49ers? Ravens? Like there might be five. Most of these teams and specifically the teams you're going to play, like the Dallas Cowboys, they have a linebacker issue. The Detroit Lions, their linebackers are susceptible to this kind of thing. Again, especially like you're a good running team. And and like you said, that sometimes doesn't even matter. Like you don't have to be a great running team. You don't have to run it 10 times under center to set up one play action because that's not how like linebackers are, you know, defenders are wired. They're not like, oh, they haven't run the ball. I'm not, you know, they see, they read their keys. Like you mentioned, they see a pulling guard and they say, okay, I'm going to take one full step towards the line of scrimmage. And guess what? That opens up a void. Like that's what, uh, that's so much about what football is all about. So that's certainly one thing I want to see. All right. We got a little sprinkling in a play action. We got a little answer against the big blitz. What do you got? What's your next one? I think tied into that and building off the important points of so many teams in the league, they don't really love their linebackers. When you look at the players that are coming in the draft, I know your mind's not on that yet, Chill. You don't got to worry about it, but there's not. I'm going to be texting, Sean. I'm going to be texting you. 
Like, okay, so I, I'm big on free agency. Like everyone ignores free agency. This is a little content trick. You know, you look for something like, yeah, I don't, people are all dug in on the draft. Like I'm not just going to become a draft expert. Right now. I'm free agency, man. Like I can look at past contracts. I can look, yeah, I can actually watch their film easily. I don't have to go through the black market to find their, like, this is easier <laughs> for me. So I go big on free agency. Then April one rolls around and I'm like, shoot, the draft is in like, Three weeks. So April one, get that phone handy. You're going to be getting like 400. Te- hey, what do you this uh, this, this uh, you know nickel from uh, Clemson? What do you think? This guy looks like this guy a little feisty. And I'm just going to be taking your draft. I'll of course credit them. I'm not Joe Tessitore. Uh, I will for the old school <laughs> listeners. Uh, I will of course credit you for those. But yeah, be be ready for that barrage. Sorry, I interrupted you. I just wanted to give you like a three month warning here. Well, hey, Shil, I mean, the Eagles are going to draft a tackle in the first round. You can just you maybe maybe yeah, maybe ask that month of shows. Go ahead. Take a vacation, you know, take a little break. But I think so. I want to see like every week we get these kind of cool passing charts where it shows like, OK, where did the quarterback target? Where were they able to succeed? And you can kind of see like shapes of where offenses are attacking. And so often the Eagles passing offense, it's like highlighted these little dots on the outside, on the right outside, on the left. So I just want to see a passing chart just once that just doesn't have this like middle of the field dead zone because my favorite offenses they're able to stress every level of the field so short intermediate and deep but then they can also out- attack outside and inside and to me that's important because it lets you pick on the weak links of the defense the, as you said where teams don't always love their linebackers there's just not really teams out there that are like Madden 99 overall all pro team where they feel so confident at every single position and then who that weak link is, is going to change on a week-to-week basis. So, you know, this week we see that really nice snap of Devontae Smith in the slot, that inbreaker on what looks like a choice route. Maybe that Dallas Goddard play action turns into a crosser instead of a sail route where teams maybe are expecting that. Like I said, that guard pull play action, they had a little, I think it was Goddard who was kind of crossing over the middle of the field a little bit. But just, we can't keep relying on those outside curl routes. Keep showing a touch of creativity so this this is one where I, it does feel like they are like somewhat conscious about it like they're kind of inching closer to it but like let's get the results too where i can just i can just obviously i'm gonna watch the game i'm gonna watch the film but you know take the little shortcut and anyone that says oh they didn't target the middle of the field we can say no here are five circles right at the middle linebacker spot they did it this game you know what's interesting if, if you're listening to this and you're like wait you guys did your thing on how to fix the eagles you know uh a couple of weeks ago when some of these are redundant. What's interesting is like the stuff we're hitting on, we saw little, there, there's someone in the building saying we should do a little more of some of these things. Like they're not, they're not leaning into it. I'm not going to go that far, but all the things we've talked about, like on film against the Giants, we saw little morsels. So if you're a fan who's like, hey, I want to be optimistic. I want to be, uh, think that they can figure out some solutions here before the playoffs. There were little hints of that. Like you mentioned, Devontae Smith in the slot was a big part of the game plan uh, last week against the Giants. I think he had three catches in there. He looked great. He had a choice route in there, the one for the 36-yard touchdown. Uh, so, all right, they're lead- A.J. Brown had a nice in-breaker in that game. Like, that's my th- I mean, what do you think? Is this the structure of the— Because sometimes you look at it and you say, well, you know, the quarterback's not comfortable doing it. Like, that's been a criticism, right, of Russell Wilson— for his whole career, like Russell Wilson, you're not going to be throwing the ball a lot in the middle of the field. I think Kyler Murray uh, gets some of that a little bit too. But then you watch a game like we watch and it's like, I don't know, Jalen Hurts looks fine to me. Throw it like he was accurate. He was hitting him in stride. There were yards after the catch opportunities. So in your opinion, not leaning into that as much as we think they should have 
Is that a design structure of the offense type thing more so than a Jalen Hurts preference or could it be a Jalen Hurts preference and we just don't know because we're in the building? What, what's sort of your read on why it's week 17 and we're saying they should be doing more of this and we haven't seen you know as much of it this season? Yeah, I think that it to me first comes from just like the overall structure because when we talked about it last week, we look at, well, what are the examples where this is like this area of the field is actually being attacked? Because it could certainly be true that, you know, Hertz would prefer to just push the ball outside. Shield. I mean, I would probably prefer to take three steps and throw the ball to AJ Brown. I think I would I would like to do that as well. But then you like dig in a little deeper. It's like, well, there's not legitimate options going across the middle of the field. So even if Hertz might not be the most comfortable doing that, he would prefer something else. They don't feel like there are actual options. And I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, there are those just like little bits of it. I think that's why it's so important to re-mention these things. And actually, you know, when we get to the end of the show, like I am so optimistic right now where <laughs> Going into the Giants game, I did not expect to have that optimism. And I think it is exactly because of that. Because we're seeing just like the smallest bits of it where, you know, maybe they're not going to throw like six inbreakers from Devontae Smith in a row. Maybe they're saving that for for that good first week of the playoffs. Hopefully that's second, maybe the third week of the playoffs. So I think it is a combination thing. I, all year, I think, have been looking at the overall structure of the offense first. Now, it's it's easy for me to say that. And it, it is important to think, well, what is Hurts' Hertz, comfort level with it? I guess when it does happen on the offensive end and when the route concepts are legitimately threatening middle of the field, Hertz makes some of those throws. So it feels like he can do that. And it's more of that fine tuning where we talk about, you know, let's turn that dial away from just throwing it outside. And obviously when there's a better concept across the middle of the field, it makes that a little bit easier. All right. Next one from me here, Sean. I want to see an A.J. Brown excessive celebration penalty. Throw the flag. Do some nonsense. Or t- it could be your, his own touchdown. It could be someone else's touchdown. All right, so why do I want to see this in the final two weeks? It's because it's not just you, the listener, the fan, the audience, that is miserable while watching this team. I know Sean said he's optimistic. That's the one person. I don't think it's the one person. I would say, all right, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely under like 25%. I would say maybe 10 to 15%. I would say of Eagles fans right now might fall in that, but where they're like, everyone like settle down a little bit. We're going to be okay. We've got the players and I'm, I'm going to lay the case out for optimism later. But the team, the team is telling you that they're kind of miserable right now. I mean, you, you watch this team. Like, again, I don't want to read too much into what we see on the sideline and how a guy's your shoulders are slumped or what, but you recognize a team that's playing with joy and you recognize a team that is not playing with joy. And on one hand, I get it. Like this is part of, making the Super Bowl and coming back and losing it and then coming back the next year. Like the expectations are so high. I mean, I was having a conversation with someone that it's like, you know, the Lions right now, like Lions fans are over the moon. They won the NFC North. Like they could get bounced in the divisional round. And guess what? They might lose their offensive coordinator in the offseason. They have to figure out the Jared Goff situation. Their defense is not very good. Like there's a lot of things there where it might not look as good for the Lions next year as it does this year. But their fans have had 30 years without winning a division title. And so they're over the moon. And this is a great season for them. Expectations in Philadelphia are different uh, because of the talent, because of what you did last year. And so uh, I kind of get that. But A.J. Brown to me is like a good example of this. Now, listen, sometimes Brown, even when they were going to the Super Bowl, was not the happiest guy. But he's third in the NFL, Sean, with 1,394 receiving yards. Like the guy's having a monster season 
Uh, and you just kind of watch him and you're like, is this guy having fun, you know, playing football? And it's not just him. It's like, you look around, like who are the guys playing with joy, uh, on this team right now. So I think they need something. I think they need some kind of reminder. It could be hokey. You know, I can't, I can't remember if it was Doug Peterson or Pete Carroll. I remember some coach I covered did a thing where like before a game, the team meeting on Saturday night, he brought out the the pictures of every player in their like peewee football uniform and was like, remember like how you felt when you were getting out there nine years old playing football on a Saturday morning or whatever. And it was a lot of fun for you. Like, remember that, do that again. Maybe it's a Brandon Graham speech. I mean, that's the happiest guy uh, on the planet. That's a guy who's been through the lows and the highs and knows Philadelphia, knows the fan base and knows the ups and downs. Maybe he can, maybe it comes out. Oh, Brandon Graham gave this incredible speech that got everyone just in the right mindset. Maybe it's Nick Sirianni. I don't know. Maybe he gets that reminder to himself that shoot, I, you know, he said earlier this week to his credit, he was like, I was a little too intense on the sideline there. <laughs> MFing everybody who got in my way during that last uh, timeout. So I, mean, I, I don't know who it's going to be, but I was just, you know, thinking maybe AJ Brown getting some type of penalty, like we've seen before, where he's just going over the top with the celebration because he's so excited for himself for a teammate or whatever. I want to see something like that. I want to see smiles. I want to see something choreographed. I, I need some reminder that like the moment's not too big for this team and they can say, you know what? It hasn't been like the cleanest season, but guess what? Everything we want is still in front of us and we're going to go do this right now. So there you go. That's my next one. Let's get an AJ Brown flag in the next two weeks. Yeah, and I think you've talked at, I think really smartly about how that kind of rise to the top of the mountain is a lot more fun for fan bases than when you're kind of living at that plateau, like, you know, the realistic expectations and things like that. For this specific one, like, I want to see AJ Brown just like go up and like windmill dunk on the goalpost, which is like clearly outlawed. AJ Brown, I'm sorry, I think that would probably end up in a fine for you. I think Nick Sirianni would cheer that on first and it would like lead to both of them hugging and then later like a, hey, you know, you kind of can't do that. But like, like I, I do agree with you overall. Like the, even just when we get later to the reasons of for optimism, I think I keep trying to reframe it to myself for the Eagles of like, is it the most natural thing is to compare it to last year. And I'm trying to kind of stray away from that because I think this week I just like watching film around the league. That was really one of the reasons that made me more encouraged about the Eagles. Cause it's like, wait, like all of these teams have so many problems where whether it's schematic, whether it's it's structure-wise. But a lot of times, it's just player-wise. And to say, oh, the Eagles have better players than most of the defenses they're going to play, that is boring. I think that, that is, is too reductive. But again, like the, the little morsels of, of goodness, and I think that Brandon Graham here is the morsel of goodness where he like talks about, you know, a win's a win's a win. Like, we still still love doing this. I agree with you. You know, we can, we can get that, that veteran in the locker room. I think it's fun to look at him and then Devontae Smith, where Devontae Smith is very much, you know, like, uh, not down, I would say, but like obviously him and Graham have have been playing in the league for a different amount of time. So Graham's very much like relishing every moment where Devontae is kind of squeezing out uh, every bit of improvement. But you get that 4,000 yard passer, 2,000 yard receivers, 1,000 yard rusher. I mean, the, the Eagles are cooking shield, but I, I did really like that one. Something to just give a little spark overall. Devontae Smith seems like he would be the easiest player to coach. I mean, he just has like, I don't know if it's the saving, playing for saving or whatever. He just has like the mindset you've never heard. Now, maybe there's stuff going on behind closed doors. I don't know. He has never complained about like, if I were, again, I've said it before. If I'm his agent, I'm like, hey, listen, our guy's like coming up for a contract here. 
He's an awesome player. <laughs> Let's find ways to get him the football uh, a little bit more. He's never complained about that stuff. He doesn't want to, um, you know, talk about a thousand yards. He's not happy with the win, even when they win and he plays well and has a monster touchdown. It's not good enough for him. He just kind of does what it's at. He's so technically sound. Uh, he plays hard on it. I mean, when he's getting blown up on like a, on a screen, it's not because he's not trying, at least in my opinion, it's like, well, you know, what do you exactly expect this man to do, uh, here? So yeah, he, he is a, um, he's always an interesting guy to watch in these times, but I feel like he is a good kind of tone setter lead, probably like an underrated leader or could certainly grow into that role, which you typically wouldn't see for a young wide receiver. All right, take a little break here. Come back. We'll get to some more things we want to see in the final two weeks. As the weather gets cold, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 money line bet wins. Let's see. I mean, you could take the Eagles. I mean, 10 and a half point favorites this weekend against the Arizona Cardinals. All you need is the money line bet to win. Or you can do something else. But if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet. Live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, dive into the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Ringer Philly and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, we're back on the Ringers. Philly special. All right, Sean, what do you got? What's the next one? Okay, I want to see one full Josh Sweat sack. It can't be a 0.5. It can't be 2.5. It has to be one full sack that is credited to him alone. And I am definitely a person who... Sheila, I know you know may, maybe pressures, whatever you feel about pressures. I do believe that pressures are more important than sacks. They're more predictive of sacks in the future over seasons. We can talk about that at another time. And look, this could be a coverage sack. It could be a cleanup sack. It could be a clean win. It could be a blitz. Who cares? I just want to see one sack from where he hasn't had a sack since November 5th, I think, if I'm reading that correctly. Ooh. And I think that 
Uh, he has shown success, like when he's stunting inside. I think he's shown a few rep wins. And obviously, you know, offenses, they're going to want to release the ball a little bit quicker. Uh, quarterbacks are good at getting away from pressure, especially when Sweat has done a good job of getting inside on that loop. A quarterback's natural response is to bail out of the pocket. And that has led to some incomplete passes. So I don't think it's it's really even just a commentary on Sweat. It's really just like the defensive line as a whole, where I keep hanging my hat on, well, the Eagles are better than the other team on both trenches like on offense of line I feel very very confident in that on the defensive line I think I'm starting to feel just a little bit less confident in that where I, I'm running out of games of of saying you know the defensive line we'll figure it out so it could be a coverage sack it, it just doesn't matter to me Shield. I just want to see that where how many times can I can say well the pressure rate is okay you see these individual wins at a certain point unfortunately you do have to be able to kind of finish that and then really, you know, th- I, I think this really stems from I miss that sweat celebra- celebration. Like I love yeah. Reddick's kind of gladiator thumbs up, thumbs down. That that sweat kind of wiping off your forehead is super cool. So I'm ho- hoping to see that one soon. Yeah, it really is hard to explain. And I agree with you. Like there could be there's a scenario where the sack numbers aren't piling up, but we're coming on here every week and saying, no, no, no. But like on film, oh, my goodness, they were like impacting the game and like, don't believe the. But that hasn't been the case. Kind of like, what is going on here? Why? How are they not uh, impacting the quarterback more so, more, more than uh, you know, as much as we're expecting them to do? That just hasn't been the case uh, this year. So I think that's a good one for Sweat. And I'll follow that up with with one of my on a similar vein. How about a Jalen Carter viral film clip? I mean, are we seeing like Jalen Carter played 19 snaps last week? Now maybe we we talked about it probably a month ago that these Georgia guys seem to be getting a little fatigued here later in the season. They're not used to playing these snaps. So I don't have, I, like on, on the surface, I don't have an issue with that. I think that could be smart. Get Jalen Carter some rest. Uh, if you think he's wearing down, if you see stuff with his conditioning, you want him obviously in the big games. We've seen him. The guy can take over possessions. Um, we saw that through the first, what, seven or eight games of the season. But like, is that all it is? And also like, if he's only playing 19 snaps, I, I need to see more of an impact in those 19 snaps. He's had one quarterback hit in the last six games. And so it's been this weird season for Jalen Carter, where I came in saying everyone should probably relax, like defensive tackles in their rookie seasons usually don't produce a lot. And then in the first seven or eight games of the season, I'm like, this is the best rookie defensive tackle I've ever seen. I've seen since Aaron Donald. And now we're going the other way. So maybe it's just regression and it's just balancing out. Uh, I don't know, but I would still like to see uh, you know, there could be an injury this time of year. It's always good to speak cautiously because you don't know what kind of injury issues guys are playing with. It could be something uh, like that. There's no doubt about it. And if that's the case, then yes, absolutely. Just let him chill a little bit. But I would like to see Jalen Carter uh, at least have a moment or two in the final two weeks where you say, okay, he still got that in him. Maybe he wore down. Let's get him some rest and let's see if he can really have an impact in the playoffs because we're just not seeing that right now. Yeah, I think we've seen really in the last two games, just Matt Patricia try a lot of different personnel packages, really bringing like different defensive line out, out, out linemen out there and even having like Brandon Graham kind of line up over the center and work kind of on the interior a little bit. I do think that there is something to be said about that locker room where I would trust Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, who actually, you know, Fletcher Cox, I think is actually playing at a, at a really high level, which maybe he I is, wasn't no expecting doubt. that. Yeah, he's, he's doing a real, real great job. So you hope that they're able to lift those guys up where... Uh, Jordan Davis, I think he's had his ups and downs this year. They were like three or four, I thought, like pretty sweet plays, particularly in the run game uh, against the Giants, where he, you know, he got he got beat as well. But 
to see that, you know, maybe that helps kind of influence Carter. So I'm, I'm hoping that it, it that it's a rest thing. And it really for, for Carter and for sweat, they have shown us at times during the season that, that they're able to do it. And now I'm, I'm just doing the same thing again, Sheila, where I'm, I'm relying on, on what happened in the past to be able to kind of be good for the future. But you do hope that, you know, the rest, the different personnel groupings, and really just, I think, overall, a little bit more of an attacking style on defense is kind of something that can help all those guys up front. Yeah, yeah. let's get to this note, because you had an interesting note um, in here in, in our shared doc where you said they're trying uh, to dictate to the offense, but do they have the personnel really to do it? And I, and I was like, oh, that's like interesting. I haven't heard anyone say that. What, what did you mean by that? Like, what are you seeing the last two weeks from Matt Patricia that makes you ca- kind of have that type of comment? So to me, dictating to the offense is like the easiest example is you think of Brian Flores and the Vikings, where there are seven like defenders on the offensive line that forces the offense. Now they're on their heels. They have to check into certain plays Like for the Eagles. We'll get the wide receiver screen. So at that point, the defense is the attacker and the offense is no longer able to kind of just get into what they want to get into. And I think against the Giants, we saw it a bunch where there's six guys on the on that defensive line or there's there's five where the center is kind of mugged up. So to me, it feels like Matt Patricia wants to tell the offense, hey, we are coming, we are coming, we are coming. You have to change your protection. You have to keep your running back inside. And usually, I think most of the times they've dropped out of that. But even in other looks, they're attacking, they're bringing their safety kind of through like the C-gap. So they are trying to pressure and force offenses into a smaller menu of plays while also deciding we need to be able to protect against all these people. So I do really like that. And that's something I think we did not see during the kind of first part of the season. The question is like, yeah, like, do they have the personnel to be able to do that? Because really on the back end to me, it's like, I trust those guys on the front end, but on the back end, those coverage players at really every spot are able to be taken advantage of. We saw even Waller on one of his plays where I think he ended up open and I don't know, you chalk it up as a drop or whatever. Maybe the throw is a little bit behind him, but that's a play where I think the offense would feel relatively comfortable with that. So you can try to dictate to the offense all you want. It doesn't matter if you can't cover for like just kind of a touch of a second. But I think that that brings up to me a kind of positive where we, uh, Sheila, you know, maybe we start the Keely Ringo hype train just just like the the smallest bit, like the same sprinkle as we did for play action. Because I, like I put out one clip of him doing like a nice job in cover two, and I, I think it was people were just loving it, Sheila. And I, I love that because people obviously want optimism, but. Yeah. Now you think about it like, okay, is Avante Maddox going to come back? We've, we haven't been able to talk about Avante Maddox all year, obviously because of injury. I love Avante Maddox so, so much. So I'm really excited for him to be able to come back. We saw a bunch of examples where Bradbury is now on the inside in that dime look where you got four defensive linemen, one linebacker. Now it's four cornerbacks and two safeties. So uh, Bradbury, and I thought he did a good job kind of feeling out zone coverage in a few different ways on the inside. Now, what does that look look like in the playoffs? Maybe it's Slay on the outside. You got Ringo out on the outside. Then you have Maddox and Bradbury on the inside two corner spots. Like that, you know, that that makes me feel good. That makes me feel a little bit better. So that's a long-winded way to go about, well, they're clearly trying something, in di- like forcing the offense into different things, get them on their heels. But the question does come down to, well, are they going to be able to have the players that are able to succeed in those spots? Yeah, that. I mean, my next thing was, I want to see a little Keely Ringo hype here in the last... Two weeks, and I do want to continue this conversation about just what we, some of the changes we've seen with the defense with Patricia, because I do think that's relevant, and I do think there are you know some like legit changes in the last two weeks that we hadn't seen previously. But I think Ringo factors into that, where 
this is so weird, Sean. We're in a situation where he could be your starting outside cornerback playing like almost every snap in a playoff game. This is a rookie, a young rookie, who did not who played one defensive snap in the first 13 weeks of the season, but now he's out there. Now I, I'm with you. I, I think like, and I, I get it. If you're a, a fan, a listener, and you're like, give me, please tell me, Keely Ringo, uh, is because it solves a lot of problems for them not only for this year but in future years where it's like, oh, we have a, young, a fun young corner who can play. I would say like, let's see a little bit. I would say the what we've seen so far to steal your word has been encouraging. Let's see it against like a non-Tommy DeVito, Tyrod Taylor offense before uh, we go overboard here. But I have liked what I saw. I've liked what I've seen enough to say like, I want to see more. And this could be like a big thing for the Eagles down the stretch and in the playoffs that he plays on the outside. Like you said, because this has been another change with Matt Patricia. They played a lot of that dime with four quarterbacks in this game. James Bradbury's role has like really changed quite a bit. I mean, there were times, Sean, where you mentioned that, like sort of threatening the protections and having like, he was actually involved in that. You know, he's like playing inside and he's up there at the line of scrimmage. I'm like, wait, is James Bradbury going to blitz? Has he blitzed like in his uh, Eagles career? And, you know, then he dropped out, but they're showing that a little bit. So he's one player who I think his role has changed a lot. And how much of that is Slay being out? We'll see when Slay comes back, what it looks like. I'm with you. I wouldn't be shocked if it was Slay and Ringo. Uh, on the outside, maybe Bradbury's on the outside in base and then, you know, moves inside uh, in nickel or in dime with Avante Mannix. And then you still have Bradley Roby. Like now all of a sudden, at least you have some more flexibility. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect or it's going to work, but like you have maybe more options than we thought they had uh, a month ago. So that's one thing that's on my radar. I'm glad you brought up the Brandon Graham thing. It was like, you know, where's Waldo with Brandon Graham? In this game, I mean, he was he was lining up everywhere in this game. Usually, he comes in, he's playing like left, you know, left edge uh, there for Hassan Reddick. Here, he was lined up over the nose tackle. He was lined up uh, at right defensive end. He was really all over the place. Brandon Graham can still rush the passer. Like he's not going to give you forty five snaps a game, but man, I still like him in that sort of sub package role. So that's something else uh, to keep an eye on here down the stretch. Um, so those were certainly a couple things uh, I had in mind. So. Uh, you like you, you like what you see. You, you're with me on Ringo. Like like what we've seen. Don't go overboard. Or where are you with what you've seen on film from him so far? Yeah, I, I think that that's probably the proper assessment. Where it was kind of telling a little bit that Seattle really wanted to attack Bradbury, not Ringo, on the opposite side. Or I think maybe it was Rick's on there on some snaps as well. So yeah, you know we see clips of good work being done. So that that's really I think all we can go off of. Obviously, can go off this college tape and some kind of projection i agree with you that like no one wants to be the hey we're trying new things out in, in week 17 <laughs> team but I'm, i mean i'm encouraged by it and you, you can't stop me from from being encouraged by it. i think yeah like the bigger thing to me is all right well what does that final four look like kind of in that that first game of the playoffs and i, I think that some of you kind of feel a little bit more confident in where when we're in the middle of the season where the injuries kind of rack up it is a problem and you know i'm pretty sure right during the preseason we hear all of the like bradbury's practicing at the nickel and camp and he he does yeah. look comfortable in the, playing inside i think even when you look at him playing on the outside sometimes i think i was maybe a little bit too hard on him for like all right well the way he's playing his technique he's kind of attacking at the sticks you're able to do that i think more at that nickel spot on some of those downs where you're really getting slants in different ways so it may be that you know the way that he wants to play is kind of marrying up to now his assignment there i do think it, it it is a little bit of a kind of hats off to him in my mind of like bumping inside is not the easiest thing to do i don't think it's it's fun i i think it may feel like a demotion in a few 
different ways, but like it can actually unlock something for the defense. So, so I, I do kind of like that. And I mean, even further than just the Ringo stuff, Sheila, you know how much I love Sean Desai. I'll, I'll talk about it until, until you, uh, Cliff cuts my mic off, but I, I liked what I saw from Patricia in this game. I think that that there was a bunch, there are a few different things that maybe we could talk about that. I was like, all right, well, this has not been tried all year. And I think this can solve an issue in a different way or give the defense just another thing on the menu that made me think like, all right, well, you know, it, it, I wish it didn't all go down this way, but it, but it does look like sometimes people just need a little bit of a change and that can kind of benefit the Eagles in the playoffs. Well, let's get to some of those things. What, what were some of the things you saw? And again, let's keep the opponent in mind here. There certainly were plays on film here where you watch and you go, all right, if that was a competent offense, this is going to look uh, a lot different. You know, there was, I think they had a zero blitz on third down. I just watched this morning where Giants had a good call. Saquon Barkley's wide open. No one accounts for him. Uh, and the throw is short. We saw busted coverage on a three deep three under where no one's covering uh, the tight end there on the left side. But uh, again, you're going off sort of stuff they're trying. So what are some of the things they're trying that you feel like this is interesting? Maybe looking ahead to the next three weeks or a month, this can lead to something positive. She'll love that, that preface to just bring me down to earth. You know, I'll, I'll try and I'll try and temper as much as I can. But one, one thing that I, I really liked was they ran some cover to invert, which they just haven't run at really at all this season. I think the Browns run it a bunch. Some other teams do it where in regular cover two, you have your cornerback that's kind of in that flat area. And then you have your safety that's covering that deep half. And then in invert, those two switch responsibilities. So now the cornerback is covering that kind of deep half. And then the safety is coming down and covering the flat. And the way that they're able to do it is that safety can really just like, particularly on the backside where it's an isolated receiver, where you have three receivers to the other side, that safety where it's Kevin Byard can just run like directly at that receiver space. So if they're running a curl, it doesn't matter that your cornerback is now playing off because you have that safety right there in front of him. So I think that's kind of a, a fun way to attack an isolated receiver, particularly now. We, I, I mean, if you look up cover two invert on my Twitter, I know I have clips of the Eagles particularly playing it where like if you have an outside vertical, that is really, really tough or even an inside vertical because now your cornerback is playing a deep half, like running in kind of a weird way. So like there are ways to attack it, but like that is very clearly something that we haven't seen across the year and maybe for me it's just something where it's like okay well like seeing like I needed to see something different so since I did it helps and then I think also like in their kind of those base downs where even in sub personnel where the safety is rotating into the box it feels like they're rotating into the box like a touch quicker I think buyer particularly likes going down a little bit earlier where Blankenship I think likes to go down a little bit later and it, it felt like once or twice it just freed up the linebackers a little bit where the linebackers could bump over and they had pretty clear space where they needed to fill. So I'm not, maybe I'm reading a little bit too far into that. Maybe I'm just like, Hey, I just want to see something different. So it's good. But to me, those two things were things where I was like, okay, like if we're seeing it now, at least we're seeing it before the playoffs happen. Uh, long time listeners. know I have a history, a bad history with cover to invert, uh, from, you know, I love, I think Jim Schwartz is a great defensive coordinator from his days. Uh, with the Eagles, I thought that was a trash coverage that they got killed on over and over again, that they should have ripped out of the playbook. But hey, this is like five years later. So maybe I'm, see, I'm open to, uh, I'm open to new things here. All right. So there you go. The good stuff there. All right. Do you have anything else here, Sean, on things you want to see uh, in the final two weeks? Or did we get to all your ideas? 
Yeah, I, I think we we covered everything. But, you know, obviously just want to see see two wins, see a bunch of people celebrating in the crowd and, you know, lock up that two seed, uh, obviously play play a team that you feel comfortable with and get get two home playoff games. There you go. Uh, last thing I had was I want to see a next gen stats graphic that tells me Jalen Hurts is thrown to open receivers. OK, this is not this is not too much to ask in the holiday season. Maybe one of those like, hey, this was, you know, Jalen Hurts is like fewest attempts into tight windows all season or one of those like according to next gen stats on this touchdown that they schemed up what a concept uh there was no defender within seven yards of jack freaking stole i don't care who it is anybody grant calcaterra one of those where it's like okay they're not just relying on winning their one-on-ones they're helping their quarterback out they're helping their skill position players out uh, a little bit so there you go that was my last one there i think is that right yes okay we got you all those all right leftovers here sean i I might be able to get you out of here within an hour for the first time uh all season we we have a shot i'm not going to guarantee it but we'll see all right here's the case for optimism you mentioned it earlier you're feeling optimistic uh if i'm being honest i'm not feel i'm still not feeling that optimistic about this team um in the playoffs that game yes they uh, like it's just basically I'm putting the Eagles in a tough spot. There's almost nothing they can actually show me in the next two weeks where I'm going to be feeling great about them going into the playoffs. But you might be more like Sean and say, settle down. He's still got a shot here. So here's the case. And Sean, you fill in the gaps if I'm missing anything here. One, I thought Jalen Hurts really threw the ball well uh, against the Giants. Like, and I, for the most part this year, he's thrown the ball well. Like when we've been. Uh, criticizing Jalen Hurts. It has not been because he's missing throws or mechanics or not accurate. It's been like, all right, decision-making. Did he bail from the pocket? Did he did the football go where it was supposed to go? And again, if you've listened to the show, some of that I think has been overblown. Some of that I think is more uh, coaching and sequencing. But um, I think that's a good sign. I thought he looked pretty spry running the football. We saw my favorite run scheme, the old uh, the old bash scheme, which we've talked about before, where you, you got the pulling guard and the bull, uh, pulling tackle away from the back. And then Jalen Hurts is kind of reading it out, whether to hand it off or run with it. Uh, and I, he was taking on some contact in this game, which again, I don't know that I need him doing that, but it was like, oh yeah, that's still kind of in his back pocket where in the playoffs, do I want him to do that? Yeah, probably like every yard is going to matter at that point. So there you go. That's one reason for optimism. Uh, two, you could have a I, I, I hesitate to even say this. Let me knock on wood for those of you yelling about the Kapadia curse right now. You could have a really healthy team going into the playoffs. I think this was your point earlier, Sean. Like the issues we're talking about with the Eagles, you look at some of these other teams and there's, just, there's no chance for an answer because it's like, oh, one of their five best players is out for the season or three of their top 10 best players are out for the season. And it's like, you can't just fix that in the playoffs. Like, Right now, the possibility exists and anything can happen in the final two weeks. Like there's going to be as harsh as it sounds. And I hate to even like bring it up. There are going to be teams that get crushed with a major injury or two in the next two weeks that complain completely changes how we think about them for the playoffs. But right now, the Eagles could potentially have 22 starters healthy for that wild card round. I think I was doing this quickly earlier in my head uh, before the podcast. So if I'm missing anyone, forgive me, but I think they could have both guards back on offense, in which case you would have all 11 on offense. You mentioned Devontae Maddox on defense. That's the guy who we thought was probably going to be out for the season, and now it looks like he's coming back. Slay is expected back uh, for the playoffs. Defensive line, you're healthy. Linebacker, we'll see. 
who knows there, but you really could be very healthy going into the playoffs, which that makes a huge, huge difference. Uh, and then the last thing is you have a great shot at the two seed and the two seed means you get two home playoff games and then you see what happens in the, in the, uh, NFC championship game. They still have a shot at the one seed. That's not, you know, out the window. They could still get the one seed and the buy. They need help there, but they've got a really good shot at the two seed. And so, uh, if you're welcoming two teams to the link, you're going to be favored in both those games and you're supposed to win both those games. It doesn't mean you're going to, but like, that's a good spot to be. And that's better than if, Hey, you're the Cowboys. Now you have to go on the road in the wild card round. And maybe it's the NFC South champ. So it's not that bad. But then in the divisional round, you're probably going to San Francisco, which like in the divisional round, which is not what you want. So it's not shaping up that horribly for them from a sort of playoff seeding formatting scenario, unless, of course, they choke down the stretch here in the final two games where they'll be double digit favorites in both these games. And if that happens, well, then we'll just come on here and completely rip them to shreds. All right. What else am I missing, Sean? I think that one, you know, you know, I love a good case for optimism and it's true. The Eagles, they haven't put together like a complete performance yet. And I was thinking like, should I make one of my things I want to see just like a, a complete victory, whatever your kind of definition for that is, but really like no one across the league, other than I feel like the Ravens a few times have really put together these kind of complete wins. But I like the, I thought like play sequencing in the Giants game was better and I do think you make the important caveat of, you know, it's versus the Giants. It's not versus teams that you're expecting to play in the playoffs. But this was one game where they were in like different variations of counter like eight times. And then on like a really big down, they had an RPO off it. So like sequencing, I think sometimes it's hard to pick up when you're watching because it's like, oh, well, like how does this concept relate back to another concept? This was like a clear example of they just run counter into the ground against the Giants this year. And they did it so much last year as well. And then a key moment comes up and we have like a big play off of that where it's that AJ Brown kind of in cut. So I was like, okay, like it's there. So I think that I would, again, there's like tons of teams in the league I'm not optimistic about because like there is no there there, you know, but there clearly is just like enough of it to kind of keep me hanging on where again, when I watched the game live, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this film and like start thinking of like, hey, Sheila, I'm busy on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. I can't record this week. Sorry, I got to go. But the film gave me the feeling of like, they clearly are looking at themselves. They clearly are recognizing these issues too, because they're trying maybe except for the zero blitz. Let's also like, come on guys, let's come up with something fun there. But I think that the optimistic case is, is really, really important to keep having because like in that second round, if the lines are coming to the link, I'm going to come on here and pick the Eagles. Absolutely. So I think there's a lot to, to be happy for. And I think a little bit of that is at least earned because of what was shown like even against a team like the Giants, but it's still on film, so it counts to me. There you go. All right, uh, final leftovers here. I think we got to a lot of these film notes. The only thing we didn't touch on here, Sean, was sort of the off-ball linebacker situation. They're they're using Nolan Smith in that role a little bit as an off-ball linebacker. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work, but you know what? Try anything. Go ahead. Who cares? That's Bob. Fine with it. Go ahead and try it. Shaq Leonard is a three-down linebacker. My feeling, I thought Solak uh, hit the nail on the head in the postgame pod where it's like when Leonard can ID it and see it and trigger, you look good in this game. Like, you know, all right, run play. I got this. He was making plays behind the line of scrimmage. That's good. I mean, I will still very much worry about these linebackers against a team with a competent offense that can throw the ball in the middle of the field 
and work on those guys uh, a little bit. So uh, against the run, I thought, you know, Leonard certainly looked better than he did the previous week. When he sees it, uh, he can make plays. Um, but I'm still like, all right, let's let's see it uh, a little bit more. Uh, Vance Sumeran, I don't necessarily see it with him. I've heard other people be very complimentary. Uh, I didn't, I did not see that, but, uh, maybe I'm missing something and I'm willing to give it a bigger sample. What did you think of kind of the linebacker usage? What, what was your assessment of those guys in this game? Yeah. I, I like that you mentioned Ben Sumer. Like, I feel like if you ever mention a player to someone, like you can look and probably find like one clip of a player doing something really, really well and be able to hang on to that. And I could say that for Ben Ben Sumerin as well. Like if he can absolutely, if he's sent on a pressure, he can fill space and make a tackle. Like he, he, he showed that he can do that. Now on the average, was he able to do that every time? I'd say, you know, maybe not the, I agree. You know, I think Shaq Leonard, his, his mind is really there. Uh, it's like clearly seen so much football. I think sometimes it's, you know, he is put in conflict where you, and then you see kind of Tyrod Taylor able to, outrunning which he can outrun a lot of a, a lot of people but the the nolan smith thing i assume it was because like we're like they literally don't have like anyone else kind of on roster to be able to do that now d- did i love that overall i mean i would say i would say no i think that uh i'm fine with them trying it my assumption is that it's because they're kind of down linebackers and i would guess they'd probably put either morrow uh, probably morrow uh back there hopefully when he is healthy. So yeah, that linebacker area is just always going to be something that is going to be able to be attacked. And then thinking about the Cardinals, I mean, the, I'm sure their their tight end Trey McBride is going to have a ton of fun there. But you know, you hope hope you get a little bit healthier that that could maybe be something that helps. Yeah, they, I'm glad you mentioned the Cardinals. We'll we'll finish with these last two things. I mean, I didn't want to do a big Cardinals preview. I mean, I don't think any of you want to hear that. They're 32nd in defensive DVOA. Uh, their defense stinks. So, uh, you know, miss me with any of your Johnny Gans takes. Sorry about that. If Johnny Gans was the coordinator, this defense would not be better uh, this season. That's just a fact. If you disagree, uh, I'm sorry, you're wrong. I generally don't say that, but uh, you are wrong. Uh, They have the second overall pick right now. They are, Eagles are 10 and a half point favorite. So we'll see. They have a, a competent quarterback. We can at least say a guy who can make plays with his legs in Kyler Murray. The offense has not, has certainly not been great so far. this season, I thought earlier in the season, actually, with Joshua Dobbs, I was like, ooh, this offensive coordinator, Drew Petzig, is actually doing some interesting things. Like, I was putting him in my more with less club uh, in terms of coordinators. I'm like, there's no talent here. Guys are injured, and they're still, you know, finding ways to move the football. So, I don't know. That, that's my assessment uh, of the Cardinals here, Sean. What, what do you think? Anything else to add there? Yeah, I would say that the Cardinals are fun to watch on film uh even on the defense which yeah they 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 don't rank at the top of the league and i think any metric but you can feel the kind of college influence i think patrick tony who came from florida and louisiana before that he's a safeties coach there now so they'll have these kind of like funky three high looks where buda baker is kind of roaming around in the middle of the field so it's like oh i see your thought process and then unfortunately they don't always have the players i think to complete it and i agree with you at petzing on offense i think he are he's from that stavansky tree and i have liked a lot of what they've done i think he wants to be a little bit heavier than maybe what they have able to play with. And Trey McBride, I think the tight end has just done kind of a good job throughout the year or maybe more towards this part of the year. Also like they're at the bottom of so many offensive stats, but randomly I think they're in the top 10 and in EPA per rush. So those explosive run plays, you know, obviously Mm. I have Kyler Murray back there. You're hoping to be able to limit that, but yeah, I mean, it's a game that the Eagles have to be able uh, (laughs) to kind of roll over a little bit or roll them over a little bit and end up in a win. 
I do like James Conner quite a bit. Like, well, he is a different player than he was with the Steelers. And uh, obviously, great story. Um, you know, o- overcame cancer, the second phase of his career. Like he is a fun, uh, fun player. And he gets a lot, he gets a lot of opportunities in that offense because they don't have a lot of guys. Uh, but he's a good player. Trey McBride, it feels like he gets targeted 17 times a game. So yes, Trey McBride's gonna get a lot of work. Certainly their tight end in this game. All right. Last thing here. Uh Cliff, I need you on here for this one uh as well. Now, uh you'll you'll notice here that. I got the beard going here. I'm looking at two bearded men right here in front of me. Cliff, yours looks great. Sean, uh, yours looks great. I typically don't grow the beard. Usually when you see the scruff, it's just because I haven't shaved in a while. But, you know, my daughter, Leela, she she's like, oh, I like the fuzzy. She's like, and then I told her, I'm like, all right, I'll keep it until New Year's Day. Now, after our last podcast with Cliff and Solak, Sean, you know, I talked to my wife and then we're, we're surfing the same eclipse and she's like, did they, you know, what they say about? And I'm like, they didn't say anything about it. Like, that's probably a bad sign. Like, if they thought it looked good or they liked it, they at least, you know, you mention that when you see a friend with a new facial hair look, you mention it. And I'm like, <laughs> well, they're both, you know, pretty nice people. It's one of those AJ Brown things. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So I don't really know what to do here. All I'm doing is I'm growing and I'm shaving the neck part. I'm leaving the beard part. That's all I'm doing. I'm not, I haven't trimmed. I haven't groomed. I got no product in there. Uh, Cliff, I want you to be honest. I've always been an advocate of you need your friends to be honest with you because uh, you see people out there in the real world and you go, what is that person thinking? And my thing is like that person doesn't have good friends. If you had good friends, they would make fun of you or tell you you can't go out like this. So uh, Cliff, uh, w- what's going on? No comment on the beard. We've done like three pods together and you haven't said anything. So give me your honest assessment. All right. So I didn't comment on the beard because I thought you was just growing it out. You was just going to chop it off. And like, okay. you know what I'm saying? Because it wasn't like, it wasn't like how it is now, obviously, because it grew up the last week or so. But I literally thought, I was like, oh, he must just holiday season. He probably just at the crib, chilling with the kids, chilling <laughs> with the wife, not worrying about anything. <laughs> and you were sick too. So like, I just thought like the sickness just had you in you bed. It was a sick beard. Okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you could do something with it if you just line it up, go to the barber real quick, get you lined mm. up. You know what I mean, get okay. it, get it looking right. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure the wife will love that. Well, see here, here's the issue. And, uh, some of my Indian brethren listening will understand this. Some of us, like the beard doesn't just grow in as a beard. Like 90% of my face is covered in hair when I try to grow a beard. <laughs> it grows, the cheeks. I mean, I would like it to just be a beard. I mean, it's almost coming up to my eyes. This is what happens for some of us. Listen, you're born, you're born the way, uh, you're born, nothing you can do about it. So I was looking at it earlier. I go, wait, do I need to like do something here in the cheek area? So well, there is a barber down the street, which I have no need to go to because I'm just shaving the head usually. But maybe this is an opportunity. I'll take a nice walk, get some fresh air. And just say, listen, do what you need to do. Make this look better. So there you go. Hey, hey look, don't just go to any barber, though. Make sure you look at his, mm. his Instagram page or whatever and make sure <laughs> he's lining. No, I'm, I'm, I'm dead. Yo, I'm dead serious, yo. When I came back to Philly, I told you I thought I was going to have an issue finding a barber. Lo and behold, my barber uh, over at Temple University, I get my cut on 18th and C's will be more at Ron's. Still there to this day. Say, hey, Cliff, welcome back home. I got you anytime. Anytime I hit him up, he gets me lined up and looking right. I actually just went over there yesterday, got my fade ready, you know, for New Year's. So you look look great. Best advice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My best advice here is if you're going to go with the beard thing, 
Just go to somebody that will get you lined up correctly, bro. Do not okay. get butchered by somebody who doesn't know how to touch up a beer. Please. Okay. That's my only advice. All right. All right. Sean, uh, chime in here. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, sure. I think like beards are really like the play action of the face. It is such a cheat code. It helps you. It shapes the jaw. It can frame your face. No matter what. I mean, sure, you, you look great always, but it really... It adds so much, but Cliff, obviously a veteran of the game, he understands it does need to be managed. So, you know, we can talk offline. We obviously, we you know, we have each other's number. We can talk about, you know, there's some some simple little, you know, you can get your five, three, two, kind of faded a little bit on the side yourself and then, you know, get that line done somewhere nice. But, you know, I, I, I'm i a believer in it, Chill. And I obviously would have said something. Okay. I wish we led the podcast off with it, but, you know, I'm more than happy to to kind of close with that where it's 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 a positive shield to me the most important thing is you know are the people in your household okay with it but the people in your podcast household at least i am certainly a pro it and i, I would love for i would love for it to keep going so man would i be surprised if next tuesday you get you get tired of it and just shave it all off no but you know maybe we'll give it a try maybe listen i got one compliment on it uh that's it but it's from an important, you know, person. Your daughter compliments you and comes up and rubs your face and says she likes the fuzzies. I mean, what's better than that? So I'm, I think I'm going to roll with it for a little bit. Let's see. I, I'm going to let it grow in a little because, see, it just grows out. It's like spikes. I mean, I have like a cactus beard. Like I wish I had. It does it. I'm like, what is going on? But I feel like that's probably because I haven't let it grow enough. So I'm going to let it grow a little more. I'm going to make sure I keep the neck, you know, clean. I don't want to be looking like uh, the Indian Koi Detmer uh, out here. <laughs> so I'm going to be doing that. Uh, and then I'm going to take Cliff's advice and I'm going to, I'm going to check out some barbers on Instagram. I might just go with Cliff. If, you know, if I can't find anybody, I'll go get Cliff some lunch and then we'll go. Uh, he'll right send in me out. Right North Philly, man. AT, this yeah. will be more. There you go. So we'll do something like that. All right. So that's my plan. If you've seen the videos on Instagram or, uh, Twitter and you've got a take on it, you know, maybe do a little hashtag Shields Beard. And I'll see what the people think. All right, uh, Cliff, let's finish with this. We haven't done a Gannon watch in a while. Johnny Gans is coming to town. My friend Tim McManus and uh, my friend Josh Weinfuss of ESPN had an article up this week detailing Jonathan Gannon's departure from the Eagles. I don't know if you saw that, but it laid out very specifically what we already knew, which was that Vic Fangio would be the Eagles <laughs> defensive coordinator if Jonathan Gannon was more transparent in his exit from the Eagles. And by the way, if you watch that Dolphins defense in the last month, talk about doing less with more. Holy cow, what Vic Fangio would be doing with this Eagles defense would have us feeling probably a different type of way about their Super Bowl prospects. So um, it was actually interesting in there. It even said the Eagles, even after Fangio made the verbal commitment to the Dolphins, Eagles tried to come over the top and be like, no, 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 no. Like we are making you an offer you can't refuse, but Credit to Fangio, man of his word. He's like, I committed uh, to the Dolphins there. So now Johnny Gans comes back into town. Cliff, are you still going to the game? How are you feeling? Give us a little Gannon watch. I will. I confirmed on Christmas Day, I, uh, I will be attending the game on Sunday to be live in person to do a nice little Gannon watch. I might even hop and press row just to ask him a question about, you know, the Eagles mm. defense last year and his shenanigans that he pulled in order for Vic Fangio not to be the Eagles defensive coordinator this year. But I'm going to just give this as a super teaser. On our final episode of the year, um, when we close it out on New Year's Eve, after the Eagles play the Cardinals, we'll get a nice Gannon watch. We'll get something clipped up. You're going to have, you know, the whole nine yards, baby. We're going to do it right when we close out 2023. There you go. So stay tuned for that. 
meet Cliff and Solak uh, on that's that's New Year's Eve, right? Yeah, New Year's Eve. Uh, you know, before New Year's Cliff Eve at around out. five six p.m. Yep. Yeah. New Year's Eve around. Cliff five, will take a little break. Will, uh, he'll start celebrating yep. at the Eagles game. He'll take a little break, do a little podcast. And then, you know, he'll go out and show the nice beard. You know, he's looking, he can just go to the barber uh, for no reason. So he'll go uh, and do that. So stay tuned for that. My prediction for this game, Eagles are 10 and a half point favorites. Uh, I think the Eagles offense, this will come to no surprise for those of you who have listened to me. I think they're going to light up this defense. Listen, there's always the chance they do dumb stuff, special teams, weird turnover, all that. I think they're going to put up like, you know, 470 yards of offense and uh, score in the mid thirties. I'm not so sure about the defense. We'll say, but uh, I like the Eagles to actually cover this game. Um, I just think there's such a talent advantage for the Eagles against this Arizona Cardinals football team. So I've got Eagles 30. Let's go big 37. I was going to go 34, 37. Sounds better than 34 Eagles, 37 Cardinals, 23. Uh, one of those is probably a garbage time touchdown. Eagles win by two touchdowns. Everybody at least gets to enjoy themselves on New Year's Eve at the link and say, all right, this team's not making me miserable today. Uh, we won another game and we can go into week 18 with a victory. So there you go. That's my prediction. All right. That'll wrap it up. Thank you to my friend, Sean Syed. Wonderful. Uh, as always, happy New Year's to Sean. When we talk to him, it will be 2024. And my beard will be a little bit longer. Thank you to Ace Producer, Cliff Augustine. As always, look for him if you're at the link. If you're just, you know, walking, walking, maybe a Sprint Garden neighborhood and you see a guy, you know, looking good, maybe got his LSU hoodie on or something, maybe getting a pump in or something, that's Cliff. Say hello and make sure, you know, he knows you're downloading uh, and subscribing to the podcast. So thank you to both of you. Uh, happy New Year's to everyone. We'll talk to you on Sunday for the Eagles Cardinals postgame pod. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. 
You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday. I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.